Awesome, everybody. Welcome to the Now Podcast. My name is AJ with Susanna Fleming and Jordan Reverend Werner. Uh, we're just so pumped to be here today. It yeah, is hot. It is our first spring day. Jordan uh, went on a run this morning looking beautiful, frolicking through the foothills. No, I'm going to go this afternoon. Ooh, for all those people, what time should they meet you? That's undisclosed. <laughs> Uh, no, but we're excited. We are going to be talking about uh, vocation and calling today. Uh, this is actually going to be the first episode of uh, quite a few episodes that I think we'll be doing. We're actually going to be interviewing uh, people in our community, um, in the marketplace, in the ministry, and in the creative realm about how they discovered their call and vocation and all that fun stuff. Um, but before we kind of release some of those interviews, uh, we wanted to set some framework on what our beliefs are and what our our experiences have been uh, in re- in regards to vocation and calling. And so Suze is going to bring us the introduction today because she is our executive producer and knows all the questions and her brain is beautifully brilliant. Well, thank you. Yes, that's right. She I loves am. this topic more than anyone in the world. I do love this topic. I, I walked into the office today and Suze had like the biggest smile on her face. <laughs> and I was like, why are you happy? She's like, we're talking about millennials and calling. Okay, I didn't sound that creepy, <laughs> but I am the executive producer, so I get fired up about this kind of thing. And really, like, if you are a millennial, there's a good chance you've thought about this. You might not have thought about the words, the call or vocation, but you've probably thought, what the heck am I going to do with my life? Or what am I doing with my life? Or what are the next steps? Especially if you're a recent college grad, or maybe you've been out of college for a couple of years and you're just not sure exactly what you want to do. Maybe you are sure what you want to do, but you're second guessing that. The reality is our generation has so much freedom and so many options. And we're like, I heard this the other day, we're one of the most educated generations, if not the most educated generation in human history. And it makes sense if you think about it, there's more people going to university today than ever before. And so we're graduating with all of this information and we have a lot of options as a result of that. And a lot of debt. And a lot of debt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it gets really, really confusing. So this basically introduction is just to give you guys permission to be where you're at. I want to kind of explain what is happening with our generation outside of all the negative stereotypes about millennials. I was in Whole Foods the other day and there was a an older gentleman there he was doing some kind of business meeting and he came up and started talking to me it was like 9 p.m and he was like what do you do for a living and I told him and then he's like oh, okay well one of my side businesses is helping millennials not be lazy and I was literally <laughs> at Whole Foods at 9 p.m working and I looked at him and I was nice but I definitely refuted what he said do millennial jokes or women jokes get to you more, Suze? Oh, probably women jokes, if I'm being honest. But millennial jokes are pretty bad, too. So anyway, there are all these negative stereotypes. If you're listening, you've probably um, heard some of them. Some of them are based in truth. Some of them aren't. But here's the reality. There's not a problem with millennials. What there is is a new life stage. And it's called emerging adulthood or adult lessons. So basically, I'll lay it out for you. Up until the 1960s, people were mostly getting married and starting their careers when they were about 20 years old. So that was the general age for all of that. And so there was a really clear demarcation of a line between being a teenager and being adult. It wasn't hard to figure out. 
since the 1960s, there were these revolutions that happened. For example, there was the tech revolution. So instead of people going straight from high school and graduating and then going into some kind of job where they're working with their hands or they're doing something like that, jobs ended up requiring that they go to college. And so more people were going to college, which was pushing back family life. There was also the women's movement. So more women were going to college, more women were having jobs. So that was pushing back um, family life. There was the sexual revolution. So like we talked about, and I think the sex hot and holy podcast, which was so good. You should definitely go listen to it if you didn't get a chance. Um, That separated the connection between sex and marriage. And so people were getting married later. And then there was the youth movement. And that basically, instead of people idolizing adulthood and wanting to be adults really fast, made them idolize youth. So all of these things happened. And as a result, there's actually this new stage of life, which sociologists had to come up with a term for and they called it adultolescence at first but now they call it emerging adulthood which is basically the years between 18 and 29 where no longer are you adult at 20 you're more an adult at 30 and for in a lot of cases 20 is not adulthood anymore 30 is the new 20 if that makes sense so we have this new stage and we're kind of like a guinea pig generation honestly and if you're listening to this and you've ever felt like you're treading water in the middle of an ocean and you have no idea which direction the land is in so you just keep treading in water and you don't know where to swim you're among friends because that is something that a lot of our generation is dealing with we have so much freedom we have so much education we have so much debt as Jordan mentioned we feel like we're being criticized because we bounce around from job to job because we recognize that our first job is probably not going to be our career we feel criticized because we have fear of missing out so we want to experience all these different things but the reality is everyone listening to this you were set up by culture to to be in the position you're in and it's a position of power honestly it's not necessarily a bad thing but it does make having a, a decision made about your life really really difficult and especially when there's pressure from parents why haven't you had kids yet why haven't you decided what you want to do with your life it makes it difficult so we're not here to make excuses and say like oh, it's okay, you should just sit around and wait for the perfect job to fall into your lap or sit around and wait for the perfect person. No, like the 20s, these emerging adulthood years are the foundation for your life and you need to be investing in things that will get you to where you wanna go if you have any idea where that is. But we do wanna empathize with you and just say, we're sitting here all in our 20s, all millennials, emerging adults, and we still have questions about the call and about vocation and what we're doing with our life and we're... we're um probably further along than we were four years ago and still have questions. And so that's kind of just the inner introduction I wanted to give. I know that there are some people listening to this who are well into their career, some who are still living at home, some who are married with kids. You're all in different situations. And that honestly makes this an even more complex topic because comparison can get in there. And I know for a lot of millennials, it's like, well, one of my friends is traveling the world and has tons of debt and another one has their 401k, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't have one of those yet. You know, yeah, like, so <laughs> I am a classic millennial. Anyway, that's a mouthful, but I just want to let you guys know that there's not anything wrong with millennials. There's this new life stage that the world's adjusting to, and we get to be the guinea pigs for it. And so if you have questions, join the club. Yeah, so good. 
So uh, today we are going to be speaking from more of our own personal experience. It's also important to note that all of us are in ministry. And so there probably will be um, a little bit more of an emphasis on the call to ministry. Maybe. I don't know really where the conversation is going to go. But just wanted to say that. But just so you do know, we will be recording other podcasts like short teachings, asking, um, sorry, not asking, answering the particular uh, questions like, is there one call? How did you discern God's voice? Um, what's the difference between vocation, call, occupation, all those kinds of things. So we will be answering those questions, but we just kind of wanted to tell our stories and to empathize with you and our own journeys. And so, George, why don't you kind of start us off and talk about how you discovered your call for your life, what your process has been? Do you find yourself being like the typical millennial or are you different? (laughs) I'm different in every way. No, I'm unique, right? Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a professional athlete from about the age of probably well, young. And uh, that was like a pretty uh, like genuine pursuit for a lot of years. And then um, and that was around uh, the sport of golf. That blew up um, due to injury, kind of life crisis, and I went into like a pretty big identity crisis about 18 years old my freshman year of college when I um, I basically stopped playing my freshman year. Uh, I was on scholarship to play um, in college, so I uh, found myself in a huge wilderness, and at that point um, was in like it just everything was getting stripped in me, my life in crisis, and so... Um, I think out of that, I had a pretty strong sense of what I wanted to do with my life from about the age of like eight to 18. And then I had absolutely no sense what I wanted to do with my life and was on a college campus trying to make decisions about what to study. Literally with, I had never even pondered the idea of of a life outside of athletics. And so um, it was like a pretty deep wilderness and like crisis for me. Um, And so... um, I, in that whole time was when the Lord just began like doing this work of grace in me kind of in the midst of all of that. And so, um, I began developing like a real passion for God. Um, but I did not really know how to externally express that passion because church was really boring to me honestly. So there was like never the idea in my mind would be all this passion inside me could be expressed in that context. So I just begin like scouring and like looking and searching like where is this like, where is the compatibility between my internal reality and an external reality? And it was basically my pursuit night and day for years. Um, took me around the world. I just started traveling to places. I started putting myself in environments. I started opening my mind and just saying, God, like whatever it is, I just need to know. And I was in Israel kind of on a pilgrimage, three month pilgrimage at one point. And I just like got to this point where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to pick something and go after that because there's a lot of things that I could do with my life. And I remember I was sitting in a hospital room because my brother had this infection and we were in Northern Israel. And I was just like, you know what, Lord, like I'm passionate about seeing my nation transformed. So I'm going to go into politics and I'm going to go to law school. And so the next uh, kind of season of my life, I was studying for the LSAT. Um, I had a semester, maybe one or two semesters left in my undergrad. And 
um, that's what I was going to do. Uh, and you know, and I, I honestly think that there was something that was good about that. Cause it was just like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. So I just like went for it. And then in the midst of my studies for the LSAT, um, I had a dream and, uh, it was my first day back of my senior year of college. And, uh, in the dream, this man of God, uh, came to me and he, I woke up in the dream with him, like laying his hands on me. And I was like being electrocuted. That's what it felt like. And then he took his hands off me and I kind of slowly regained my breath. And then there was a big, uh, whiteboard in front of me and it had all these options. And I think I knew they were all the options of the things that I had been considering law school, whatever. And, uh, and then in the middle, it said the bride and he, circled it and then he kept pointing his finger on it. He said, it's the bride, Jordan. It's the bride. You're called to the bride. And he said, quit doubting who you are. You're called to the bride. And he laid his hands on me again. I began convulsing under like this feeling of electricity. And then I gasped out of a dead sleep in the middle of the night, breathless for uh, a number of minutes, probably just trying to regain my breath because of the kind of like the power of the experience. Wow. And so uh, that's when I like knew that, uh, I was called to the church, like, and it was, it was, I processed it cause I was like full on studying for the LSAT and stuff. And I knew at that moment I was called to the church. And so, um, I just kind of, I was ready for it and I said, okay. Um, it was so powerful. I couldn't shake it. So I just kept, um, pursuing that. And then God confirmed that in a number of ways. Um, and that was, you know, in 2000 and, 12 is when I had that experience. So it's been whatever that makes it seven years. Um, and the thing that I would probably say now over the last seven years is, you know, I've continued to compile confirmations and now I've begun to express that call and I've planted multiple ministries and, you know, yeah. And around the world even and doing, you know, and so I'm, I'm I feel like I'm expressing that calling, um, but probably about a year and a half ago, I kind of had a, an eye-opening experience where I was like, you know, like this still doesn't like satisfy me. Like it's, yeah. there's still like this something inside me that's like, I had this idea that once I discovered what I was created to do and then I did that, then I would be like this very, there'd be this very, you know, euphoric sense of I have arrived and doing my calling. And, uh, I started realizing that there was just, uh, there was something deeper and I've been on a journey even recently in finding language to articulate it. But really what I, I was convicted of um, was that I saw my calling as like my destiny as what I was called yeah. to do on earth was my destiny. And that was what was going to satisfy me. And then I realized probably in about 2013, 2014, God said, you know, like what kind of person does these things? Um, you know, as I was like, I want to, you know, do crusade evangelism. I want to plant churches. I want to write books, yada, 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 things I've done. And the Lord said, you know, what kind of person does that? And, um, I like realized, oh, like there's a lot of character development between who I am at 2000 in 2013 versus who I need to be for God to be able to do those things. But I essentially saw my character development as being subservient to my destiny. Like I needed to, I needed to grow into character so that I could, so that God could trust me to do the things that I was called to do. And, uh, really in the last uh, year of my life, God's been stretching and shaking and revealing these things and this deeper yearning of me. And I've, I've begun to realize that I think it's the opposite, which is that my destiny 
is to become love. Like my destiny, my calling at the most pure and highest sense is to become like Jesus yeah. uh, and, and look like him and actually become agape love, to live a life of selflessness. And so m the things that I'm called to do are actually subservient of that. They're just the unique set of circumstances, you know, pressures, leadership is a pressure, creating things is like all of that is designed to actually um, produce uh, a transformation of my life so that I become love. Like the measure of a man is actually how we love and how much love, you know, we embody. So um, yeah, it's kind of gotten more simple over time. Like I know, honestly, I don't think I worry so much about all the things I'm called to do so much anymore because they don't really satisfy you. But what I find does satisfy is that when I embody like selflessness and I have like agape, like this force of divine self-giving love to offer to other people, it's one of the most uh, fulfilling, deeply satisfying experiences I can even describe. And so that's, that's my destiny. You know, that's my calling. So that's really good. There's so much to unpack in that story, but I'm curious, like, do you think that being in ministry and being a pastor was the one set of circumstances that could have made you into the person to become love? Or do you think if you would have continued on the law track? Uh, I think I'm doing what I was created to do. Honestly, I think that, uh, um, I think I'm doing, I, I, it's my utmost for God's highest. Like I read that devotional all through my college years. And so I, I've, I, I want the full expression of God's will for my life. And I think I sought that like a fine treasure and I, and I just pursued and I pursued and I pursued. And, um, I don't think it's like one thing in the sense of like this one exact set of circumstances simply because the Lord's given me options, many options yeah. as far as like even with within ministry. Do you want to go there or do you want to go there? Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? There's a lot of times he gives me the choice. So I think it's probably it's wider in the sense of it's not like one distinct, but I think as far as like one general direction, like, yeah, I think that I was called to the bride. I think I was called to be in church leadership. I don't think that like, you know, what I mean, just yeah. that's uniquely how I was designed. So. Totally. Yeah, Jordan, that's that's so good. I uh, I similarly had a, a, a supernatural experience where God told me that one day I was going to be a pastor. It was one of those crazy kind of mountaintop experiences where I knew because of a supernatural experience that I was called to the bride. And so I, I'm also not going to really fully share, but that that was my experience. So I can relate with Jordan in a lot of ways for from that discovery of, yeah, I had this supernatural encounter with God that I was called to the church when I was in sixth or sixth grade at Catalina Island. It was, it was wow. powerful. Um, but Suze, I know your story with discovering the call has been a lot different. And so do you want to bring us into that a little bit? And what has your process been? How did you get here in this church office, right? Jordan had this supernatural experience. He was called to the bride. The Lord encountered me in a powerful way when I was in sixth grade saying you're going to be a pastor someday what was your experience yeah so to be fully honest I don't know that I could even right now say I know what my calling is from the perspective of I know what job I'm called to do I don't even and we'll get into this later I don't even know that there is 
necessarily one job that everybody's called to do or even one like vocational track that people are called to be on. Um, I have always wanted to do a million different things and I've always had options to do a lot of different things so every step of my life I've been interested in like at one point I wanted to explore caves for a living I was young but I thought that was the (laughs) coolest thing ever and (laughs) seriously (laughs) what does that even mean there are people that go they're like they go out and they they explore caves and they explore the earth (laughs) how old were you when you wanted to explore caves (laughs) I was like seven I'm confident that that is not your calling (laughs) But like I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a professional athlete too. I wanted to write books. I wanted to um, be an ambassador. Like there were so many things that I wanted to do. And that made it really challenging for me as I was going into college. And I remember one time, I think it was my sophomore year of college, I went to this conference and the person that was speaking was talking about the call. And basically it boiled down to the call that's articulated in the Bible is to love God and to love people. And he said it multiple times and I just sat there and I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders because I was like, okay, love God and love people. I can do that. I can do that whether I'm working in government or whether I'm working in Hollywood or whether I'm, you know, et cetera. So that was really profound for me and I kind of carried that on. But still, I've had so many periods in my life where I've been legitimately stressed out, like actually crying because making a decision about what I was going to major in or where I was going to go to college or how this would all come together was so hard for me when I didn't have a clear vision of what the future looked like. And so basically over the last several years, I kind of found myself in ministry. And I know that that's probably like some people have experienced that you found yourself in a specific job and you don't really know how you got there. For me, it's been a process of discovery. All of all of the call has been a process of discovery. I have discovered as I've grown what my gifts and talents are. Yeah. And then I've also discovered what I'm passionate about and where there are areas in the world that really, really need attention and really need people, like Jordan said, demonstrating love and really need them carrying the kingdom of God. And so kind of the intersection of those two things of like what I'm specifically gifted and talented at and where I see needs and what I'm passionate about has led me to this place where I'm currently serving at a church. However, to be honest, I don't know that I always will be at a church. Oh, no. Yes, you will. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is my my pastor boss. <laughs> but like, just joking. <laughs> but like, really though, like I I don't know exactly where I'm going. And honestly, it's it's been hard for me because when people say, "Oh, what's your five year vision? What are you passionate about? What do you want to do?" I have so many answers to that question. And so for me, the journey of the call has been a really um, fuzzy one and one that has also brought up a lot of questions which I'm sure we'll answer later but like what is the will of God for my life okay so and so Jordan has a a very distinct moment with the Holy Spirit where he experiences this direction and for me it's always been like hey choose freely like when God created Adam and Eve and created the garden he said eat freely of all the trees in the garden and I've always just kind of like eaten freely of whatever tree looked good to me and I'm here but um at the same time I do really think that we can work with the Holy Spirit and be open to his guidance and I think that's how I got here was just being in step with the Holy Spirit I think that's really good Suze and I think really even I think it's good why we have two different even dichotomies being expressed right now is that the calling journey is not a uh, cookie cutter Mm -hmm. 
journey. And there's a book I read and went through years ago when I was in the midst of like the uh, oblivion of trying to figure out why the heck I existed. And uh, yep, been there. it was called The Calling Journey by Tony Stoltzfus, I think. And he it's like a almost like a study guide. And he actually creates like a linear um, graph and he goes through and looks at like a lot of the Bible story people. And then he also looks at like modern, like Mother Teresa, uh, modern people um, just in the church or just even I think like secular people as well. And there's like similar themes, but there's like some very distinct even patterns he defines as like how some people are um, actually equipped to become their calling in like similar circumstances where like David was in the, he was, he was in leadership, like within different capacities within Israel that was training him. But then you look at like Joseph, Joseph was in oblivion getting trained for him to come into his calling. And, you know, and like everybody's even just like looks different. So I think that that's like a really good point to make is like, I think that there's a cross in every set of circumstances that God gives us because he loves us, because he uses that to crucify the flesh, to release the full expression of Jesus through our lives. And so sometimes I think we can get into comparison like, dang, that person, Gabriel came and blew a horn and told them exactly what they're supposed to do. And they're eight years old. And it's like, oh, they have it so easy. Well, no, there's also like, they know what they're called to do. They have no space to explore. Like, you know, like there's not like, there's just like you're there's a commitment even like for me one of the things that's been hard for me is there's times i want to be a millennial do my fear of missing out thing and be like oh well what if i just went and tried business for a while but that's like me trying to escape what i know god's called me to do where you know what i mean so like there's there's difficulties on either side of the equation that i think god puts us all together because it helps us stay dependent i guess Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I was thinking that the other day. I was just telling Jordan and Suze before this started. I was like, I, in a lot of ways, uh, sometimes wish I didn't have that radical encounter uh, where God spoke to me that I would be a pastor someday. Because what I've found is like, and to use cheesy language, in my flesh, I'll so... It's not cheesy. That's <laughs> biblical. Whatever. I just hate using... <laughs> PTL. PTL. Praise the Lord. Suze and I are going to get PTL tattoos because Suze tries so hard not to be cheesy Christian girl, but at least two or three times she a just, day. She just can't help it. I'll be She's telling a her a story kid. and she'll just go, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> but no, but seriously, I was sitting in church the other day and, and Jordan was uh, preaching on becoming love. And I just sat there and I just felt the conviction of God come over me. Um, with just like, wow, like I, I had this radical encounter as a kid where God spoke to me that I was going to be a pastor someday. And, and I've taken those steps and I've become one and, and it's great and it's awesome. And I love it. And I know it's what I'm supposed to do. But so often because those words were spoken to me, I can so focus on becoming a pastor rather than the overarching call of becoming love. And I think if we all are like the one common theme that I hear in all both of your stories and in my story is yeah some of us have calls where god tells us like this is your job this is what i placed you on this earth to do but the reality is is there really is one call and that is to become love and so whatever wherever we are at whatever sphere we're in our one call is to become love and so um we can just even rest in that totally and i was just uh 
I was in a meeting last week with a guy who's um, been a business owner working in the marketplace, and he was just talking about, um, you know, because I think even becoming love, we have a unique expression of love with our life that flows from our identity. But he was, he looked at me and he said, I hope this doesn't come across prideful. And I said, okay. And he said, I could do any job in this city. He's like, and I will be, I will express my identity and I will change the atmosphere of that company. He said, I'm like, I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, I'm a peacemaker. I'm a restorer of dreams. Like he literally just went off and said, this is who I am. He said, it doesn't matter what I do. He said, I will be who I was created to be and I will fulfill my call. And I was like, dude, this is freaking awesome. Like it was such a powerful way to live our life and i think that like you know that's the reality of all of us as we're we're growing into that sense of identity and calling and becoming love and we can do that anywhere anytime anything yeah i love that and like on my calling journey i've had jobs that i loved and jobs that i hated and times where i felt like i had no purpose going to work and it was, it's been really difficult for Hopefully me. Hopefully that was not at River House It wasn't Church. at River House. It was before that. At Jimmy John's? It, oh gosh. And you were a sandwich artist at Subway, right? In <laughs> high school, I worked at Jimmy John's, everyone. I was the drive-thru girl. Anyway, <laughs> I've yeah, had they jobs. They said that the number of um, teenage boys that went through during that three-month oh span was higher than ever. Fastest growing Jimmy John's in the nation. <laughs> In Meridian, I they wanted know. to hire her to be like the Jared of Subway, but for Jimmy John. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had to turn down a million dollar TV deal. Anyway, I've had like... How did you know that wasn't your call? I... <laughs> Sometimes I just have to reel these guys in. <laughs> so I have had all of these different jobs and some of them I love, some of them I hated. But ultimately, I think what kept me going was recognizing that I got to love God and love people in the midst of those things. And I guess my encouragement to myself, even as I'm in the middle of this journey and to anyone who doesn't exactly have like, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be in business. I'm called to do these things. Doesn't have that distinct call in front of them is choose something like, like start using your talents, start listening to the Holy Spirit, investing into something, doing something interesting with your life. Like you don't have to sit around and wait for that calling moment. You can discover that. And as you're discovering that, you can be loving God and loving people and shifting atmospheres. Like George said, he chose to go into law school first and basically he was treading water. He didn't know what he wanted to do. And so he just started swimming in a direction. Well, God altered that. But even while he was studying for law school, even while he was in college in that process, I'm sure he was impacting people's lives with the love of God. And so like basically just like choose a direction and be a faithful witness for Jesus in the world and you've got it right. And that removes a lot of stress in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. It's so good. So I just, yeah, I hope, I mean, I know I have so many friends who are on that journey right now of figuring out what the heck they're going to do with their life. And yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. You know, we follow Jesus with everything that we have. And I was just even thinking the other day, I was like, well, you know, that's what the disciples literally did. They had to leave their jobs to become disciples yeah, of Jesus. Right. I mean, huh. <laughs> we could go, for a, while we could go for a while. So with that being said, though, we will do so many more podcasts on vocation and call because we understand there are even so many questions that 
um, can come up just even in a conversation like this. So be looking out um, for some more podcasts coming where we will be asking uh, more specific questions on vocation and call talking about that. And we're really excited. We hope that you are encouraged today. Um, be blessed. Also visit the nowgathering.com to register um, for the gathering. It is going to be sweet. We have some awesome speakers coming and it's going to be fun. Uh, we love you. Be blessed. Bye everyone.